Amen. Amen. It's a wonderful spirit breakout. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful song. And that's what we pray, spirit breakout. I'm here to tell you the only answer to all the challenges that we face as a nation is spirit breakout. That's the answer. That's by the grace of God. And you know where? God break out right here, right now. Amen. Spirit break out. Well, uh, the me I want to be, and here we go now. The text is Galatians 5:22, and the fruit of the spirit is uh, is what? Gentleness. Is that it? How about how many say goodness? There you go. Well, let's go with goodness then. The fruit of the spirit is goodness. Well, there um, there are a lot of things that we say about good. The food is good. Uh, my boss is good. My wife is good. Um, let me see. The, uh, the traffic, no, I can't say that. Uh, let me see. The church is good. And then my parents you know, would say from time to time, which I never could figure out, hey, go have fun and be good. I, I never could figure that out. It's impossible when I was a teenager, hey, to go have fun and be good because I just didn't think that it was possible. Now, in the dictionary, if you uh, follow the dictionary, Webster, of course, gives you a number of, uh, a number of areas in different uh, characteristics and categories of good and or goodness, and there's 17 different categories as it deals in Webster when we're talking about good or goodness. But the Bible has a lot to say, has a lot to say about, about good and about goodness. As a matter of fact, it's mentioned, good and goodness mentioned, 619 times in the Bible. Now, since we're going to be preaching from the Bible uh, 619 times, this is going to be a long, long message. I know y'all don't mean it. Well, that's good, really. So as we deal with good or goodness, here's what else I know. Just so we get the record straight, and I believe in community involvement, turn to your neighbor and say, this message is for you. Go ahead, say it. It's for you. And then I encourage you, um, I encourage you to tuck your feet under the bench so they won't get stepped on too many times. Just tuck those toes away. Because this is one of those uh, messages that I've studied and researched and looked and read and reread, edited, and all that goes with it. And there's so much stuff in there that just takes me by the throat and said, are you listening to what you're preaching? How many think the preacher ought to listen to what he's preaching all the time? Amen? You do. I feel more conviction than y'all do. Here we go. Fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Well, what is the good life? I have a friend, if I say, how are you doing? Man, I'm living the good life. Living the good life. Living the dream. Well, what in the world is the good life? You know, what is the good life? Well, I'm living the good life. Well, the good life is mean I'm looking good, dude. I mean, I'm, I'm looking good. My body's in shape. I, I've been to the tanning salon and 
I've got all tanned up and all my wrinkles are, they're all tanned too. You can't tell them apart. I've got color coordination in my hair. I want you to know I got the blonde streaks just right or I got the black streaks just right or I've got the purple streaks and I've got red in there. I'm looking good. All the color combinations are there. And not only that, but I'm here to tell you, you'll be able to tell, I got a little lipo going on and that's done. I'm a little sore yet, but I'm lipoed up or something. Somebody told me in the first service, hey, let me tell you what my wife did. She had permanent tattoos put in for eyelashes. I said, that's good. Her eyes swollen? Absolutely, they're swollen. Wow. So here's what we try to do. They're looking good. But there is no universal standard for looking good. Did you know it? And let me prove it. There are some people that might say, look at that dude. He is one good looking dude. And then some other, one of your girlfriends might say, what in the world do you see in him? He's about as ugly. He's got one ear bigger than the other. When he smiles, uh, he smiles, it's his lips are pursed together. What do you mean? And he's got nose hair inch and a half long. You want to hug up to that? You think that's good looking? Oh, Lord. No, you know, not true. And then you ladies, how many remember when you had teenage daughters? Teenage daughter, and you take them shopping. And you say, hey, darling, look, mama thinks this will look really good on you. And you know what your teenager says? Mom, I mean, that's for old people. I wouldn't wear that. My Lord, I'd be laughed out of school if I wore it. But darling, it looks so good. I know, mom, maybe for your generation, but not for my generation. Well, I have good news for all of us. Just hang around. What goes around comes around eventually. What looks bad today, I'm telling you that leisure suits are going to come back in before you know it. How many remember those? Sure you do. So good. What does that look like? Some people say, well, I like to feel good. So I go to the sauna. I sit in there and the impurities in my body come out in the sauna. I sweat it out. Then I go over and get in my pool. That's cold water. And I jump in and it shrivels me up. My skin feels invigorated. Yeah. And not only that, I have a jet tub in the bathroom. A jet tub for four. For what? In your bathroom, a jet tub for four? What's wrong with you? A jet tub for two might be okay, but for four? Hello? And boy, those jets get going, and I, I get out of that, and I, I towel off, and I, I want you to know, it just, I just, I just feel good. I know that I, I know that I, I know that I look good. Now, now listen carefully. None of those things, though, they're all good. If that's what you like. But none of those things stand up to the biblical directive of what good is. Everybody good? You know, how many of you know that some men ball look good? Some bald men look good. Hello? And others, I'm not going to record it, not saying it. No. Here it is. And you know when often people say that you look good? How about it, balcony, y'all up there? That's good. It's when you go by the casket. Oh, they look so good. 
really look at them. They look so good. I've actually said, I'm confessing now, they look a whole lot better dead than they ever did alive. (laughs) So I'm confessed. I mean, forgive me. Thank you. It's true. So what does the Bible have to say? Well, why good? Well, when God finished creation and he in the first chapter, it said that he looked over his creation, the heavens of the earth, and he stood there, and this is what he said when he looked at it. It is good. Why did he say that? Why did he look at all that he created and said, it's good? And here's why. Because here's what he knew. Because goodness meant that the heavens and the earth would, in fact, fulfill their purpose. And it was made for a purpose, and, and that God said, now that I've made it for its purpose, and the sun is doing what it's supposed to do, the oceans are doing what they're supposed to do, fulfilling their purpose. Rain is, is of course, uh, will come eventually from the sky, right now underneath, fulfilling the purpose. And that's the beauty of God. And here's what God says to us. Do you know what feel good is? Feel good is when you have been immersed with the goodness of of your relationship with God. And when you are immersed with your relationship with God, only his relationship with you can make you really feel good. And then when you feel good, you do what your purpose is. These ladies that stood and said for three years, our purpose was to develop these young ladies and to endeavor to let them get to the place that they achieve the highest mark of being an honor star. Paul writes this down in Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works which God has prepared, get this now, in advance for us to do. He created us, workmanship, that we would do good, good works. What is? Fulfill the purpose of God. Now, don't let this shake you. But we are saved, or we are not saved, by good works. We were saved for good works. Not by good works, but for good works. God said, every one of you, I created in you a purpose, and that is to fulfill God's will in your life. That is good. Now, here's what else. Someone said, Pastor, you got to be good. You're the preacher. Have you lost your mind? You think I'm good because I'm the preacher? Yeah, and you get paid to be good too. And there's not enough money on the face of the earth that could pay me to be good. How many know what I'm talking about? I have a little streak of mischievousness that God created me, a little one. Some of you are stretching your arms like this. Shame they're not any longer than what they are. <coughs> so how, why are you good? You could say, well, I'm just a good person. No, you're not. Let me tell you the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is, is that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin in us says, hey, you're not as good as you think you are. And understand that. I, I, so recently, individual said, well, hey, my religion is the belief in the complete inherent good of man. 
I think man is just basically good. Oh, really? That's not what the Bible says. It said you are rotten to the core. That sin abides in you, and we're all sinners and saved by the grace of God. There's that innate characteristic in all of us that causes us to want to be selfish. Selfish. To be selfish. Well, here it is. You say, well, I'm not. I'm not that. No, you're not. You're worse than that. You're a liar. So here's what we find in Jeremiah 13, 23. Can the Ethiopian change the color of his skin or the leper change the spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Paul said, I'm a good person. That's what he thought. I'm a strong person. I'm a person of strong constitution. I'm a person who's in charge. I'm a person who controls my emotions until he came face to face with reality and he changed his tune in Romans 7, verse 18, Living Bible. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. And when I want to do good, I don't. When I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. He said, why? Because who I am was revealed to me by the person and the presence of Almighty God. Then what is it that gives me any hope of being and doing and fulfilling the good? Here it is. Well, I know a person that's good. They give you the shirt off their back. Sure, that's all good. That's wonderful. But innately, nature Carnality says we always count the cost. Here, here it is. Salvation makes goodness possible. He saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness. Okay? Not because we were good enough to be saved, but why? His kindness. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did so that he could declare us good in God's eyes. So who's the boss here? It's Jesus. Who's the primary coordinator of good? It's Jesus. What is the common denominator? It's Jesus. Jesus in your life, and you come to this conclusion. If you do not have Jesus, you don't have the core to cause you to be good. See, good actions doesn't mean you're a good person. Are you with me? Here's what he says. He gives us the power to be good. Okay, well, I'm, I know I'm a believer, and I, I know I'm a believer, so that, that makes me good. Well, you don't get it right every time, have you noticed? You mess up sometimes. You forget you're supposed to be good. You, 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 push, a, you push aside some of the things that make excuses for your temper, for your evil thoughts, for the things that you watch, for the things that you say. You as rude as an old heifer. Hello? Hello? You men are as gruff and brazen as can be. No sweetness, no sincerity there. And yeah, man, I love Jesus. And you know what your little woman would say? Hey, get another dose. Because you're sure not treating me right. Amen. Don't make me get my gospel choir out. What is it then? He gives us the power. He says, you'll never do good truly until you're made good. And the only way you're made good is for God to come in 
and give you that life-changing experience that we call salvation. And how are you going to do it? And Titus speaks up in Titus 3.14, we must learn, learn, say that word learn, we must learn to do good so we can live productive lives. So he said there's a process. You know, some people have a stinking attitude and they don't care. They're good in so many other areas, but they just have a stinking attitude. I had an individual that was a leader in my church one time. He was a wonderful person. But he always had a snide remark to make. It was just natural, normal to him. And he always had an attitude, and he'd come off with that. And finally, one day, in the altar, I said, you know what? You need to get rid of that. You need to deal with that. That's the snideness that you think is funny is not. And the, and, and the little comments is not cute at all. Says, your pastor, I'm going to encourage you, get that under the blood. He went to cry and tears rolled down his face. He said, Pastor, I, I never knew. God can help you, I said. God can help you. And God did, and his whole world changed by the grace of God. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to say, okay, I know my weaknesses. I know my faults. I know my chat. All right, here you go. Number one, master your Bible. That's it. Read it, study it, memorize it. And fill your life with it. There are two sources from which you're going to learn, okay? Number one is the values in which the world you live in. That, that could be one value system, worldly values. The other is the values that you learn from the Word of God. And if the Word of God is absent on a consistent basis in your life, the values of the world are going to sneak in. And when the values of the world sneak in, it will ruin the values of the Word of God that you try to practice the Bible says you be sensitive to right or wrong. Be careful when you say, I don't care. I don't care. You know what? You got a trumpet out that says my heart's not right. I don't care. You will never read in the scripture where Jesus said, I don't care. Because even in the toughest, he did care. You see, the book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the book. Let me say it again. The book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the book. So here's what Paul says. Listen up, everybody. 2 Timothy 3.16. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That book right there will reveal it to you. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. So we master the Bible, and the more of the Bible that's in you, the better you will fill. Someone said, a Bible in the hand is worth two on the shelf. Yes. Well, how do you know what you believe if you say, I believe the Bible? How do you know what you believe if you've never read it from from cover to cover. Now, we read a lot of things. Dear Abby, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we read Ann Landers. We read the paper. We read the stock report. But say, I, I don't understand the Bible. Then find a translation that you do understand, okay? 
I use the NIV version. You say, well, I heard that some of those versions are not right on the mark. Well, you know what I say to that? I say, if you read enough of them, you'll get the right one after a while. Amen. And it will tell you, well, the, I've never read Pastor Blackburn. I don't like, I've, I've had this. I don't like you preaching out of the NIV. It's the King James. Well, you had not done your homework. It's thee and thou and the, uh. But where did it come from? I challenge you to do a study. Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. He said, it's the parts that I do understand that bother me. Number two, guard your mind. Say it out loud. Guard your mind. Guard your mind. Here it is. As a man thinks in his heart, so what? As he thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, sin starts in your mind. Satan will plant ideas in and we call that temptation. And, and once sin starts in your mind, it'll come out in your behavior. So here's what he said, guard your mind. You'd be surprised how many professing Christians allow what their eyes, because it is the window of the soul, what they allow their eyes to see. And so here's what Jesus in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But he continues on, if your eyes are clouded, your life is filled with spiritual darkness. The eyes, so what you see, you know, all that stuff you look at, all the violence, all the bad stuff, all the, you, you know what I'm talking about. And Christians watch all that stuff. Somebody said, that doesn't bother me at all. Well, let me tell you what, what the medical field says, that everything that you see and you hear, my friend, stays with you in your subconscious. You may not remember and have the conscience, but it remains in you in the subconscious. And the only way to get rid of it is to purify your spirit with Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Somebody say amen. It's true. Garbage in and garbage out. Number three, develop some convictions. Conviction is the love of God an issue by the Holy Spirit to identify a need in your life God wants to fix. And when you get to the place that you know in your, in your head you are doing wrong and you don't feel convicted of it, let me tell you what's happened. You have seared that part of your conscience to accommodate your own self-will. And if you don't feel convicted, that is not the rule. This is the rule right here. This is the rule. Whether you feel convicted or not, this is the rule. Somebody say amen. You know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That's it. You don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's con conviction. Let me tell you the difference between a opinion and conviction. Opinion is something that you hold on to. And conviction is something that holds you. Okay, opinion, you hold on to it and say, well, I'll argue that. But, but conviction is said, I'm willing to suffer for my conviction of what I believe. Romans 12, 9, Paul says, with a strong spirit, hate what is evil and hold on to what is good. Hold on to it. 
hate something, you say, well, hate is a strong word. You ought to hate, my friend, child abuse. You ought to hate sin. You ought to hate it. One out of every four girls before 18 are molested by someone they know, love, and trust. One out of four. I hate that. Especially someone they know, love, and trust. You say, that, that's what I hate. And then you have to be careful that you don't go around hating everything. Romans 16, 14. Don't allow what you consider to be good to be spoken evil of. So you have to be careful. Edmund Burkey said, all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Well, I got a conviction and that's it. But my friend, you don't just say, I hate that. And that's wrong and go wrong, 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 wrong. I hate that. What alternative do you give? God made you the most creative individual that you could ever imagine. And what he says is, if you hate that, that, give some alternative to it. And give the word of God. Be a light on a hill. Be that, 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 that anointing that everybody needs. 1 Peter 2.20. It's better if it is God's will to suffer doing good than for doing evil. It's better for doing good. Number four, dare to be different. Say that with me. Dare to be different. That's not hard for some of us. I've been told by my own mother that I was different. I visited her. She is getting a little better. I visited her Saturday. She said, did I ever tell you what your head looked like when you were born? No. Well, it's good, Mother. Thank you. If I want to aggravate her, I call her Mother Love. Well, Mother Love, what's wrong with you? Mm. Dare to be different. What does that mean? If people around you that work with you, that live with you, are willing to say that you're no different than the ungodly crowd that you hang with or work with, there is something wrong with your relationship. You are not willing to live by the convictions of this book. Someone might be able to say, well, to get along, you have to, you know, to get along, you have to go along with them. You go along if you want to get along, and, and I, that's just being not. No, it's not. There comes a time, you think Stephen stood there and stoned to death because he was trying to get along? Do you think when Jesus turned the tables over in the temple, he was there because he was trying to get along? He had a message that was totally different from anything they could ever imagine. And Stephen had a strong conviction and he had such an experience that he would not give it up even though he knew he was being pelted with stones. And because he stood, one person named Saul became Paul because of what he saw in Stephen's testimony. Who are you? What good are you? Unless you let Jesus shine in and through your life. Third John 11, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Imitate, imitate that. You see, goodness means sometimes being willing to stand 
by yourself. Well, I go to the Christmas party and we have other parties, but you know, I don't want to rock the boat. I, I don't want to offend anybody. We don't have to go and, and offend anybody. Um, listen, uh, how would you like a double martini? Nah, that doesn't go along with my salvation. Thank you. Well, if I do that, they're going to think I'm some weirdo. Hello. A man, here's a reefer. Take a little drag of it. And make you feel good. Well, I'm, I've never done that. Well, oh, go ahead and let's do it. Well, give me a, give me a hit. You take it. And then, then we got, what do we have now? The Zuka, Zuka pipe. Now, I had a guy beside me at the stoplight the other day smoking this long thing. Smoke coming out, out the cracks in the car. I thought he was on fire. So we need you at the church. We get rid of all these fog machines, just light you up. <laughs> I didn't say that. How many of you know if, if, we don't, if we don't behave and look different in our convictions, what, what are we doing to make a difference in the lives of people? The three Hebrew boys would not bow to a false god. They said, we'd rather die than do that. And what did God do? He delivered them. You and I are to be a, a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermometer it reflects the environment. Thermometer said 91 degrees today, no rain, humid. A thermostat says, yeah, that's what it is, but I want to influence the environment. And I'm going to cool, it's 91, and I'm going to cool things off. Well, the way that I work, we are the salt of the earth and a light that is on the hill. Philip's translation of 1 Peter 3, 13, be enthusiastic for good. I'm happy to be different. I'm happy to be alive in Jesus. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm, I'm not doing it to offend anyone, but I'm not letting my desire not to offend someone to keep me from doing what I need to do, and that's stand up for Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the ungodly world out there is not ashamed to do whatever it is that they want to do to make their point. To any cost. You see, we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people say, I got you. So here's what I'm going to do I'm going to isolate myself, I'm going to join a monastery. I'm going to have myself a compound. I'm not going out. I'm going to have everything delivered in so I don't mix with the public. I'm going to get rid of all my cable, get rid of my television, get rid of my Facebook, get rid of all of that, and I'm just going to isolate myself, and therein I'm going to be holy. No, you're not. Isolation is not the answer. Well, okay then. <laughs> I'll be imitation. I'll just go with the flow. You know, whatever culture is and that, that's, that's what I'll go with. I'll, I'll engage as we go along. Hopefully, I'll win some friends and influence them if I just go along with them. And that's what I'm going to do. And Jesus said, that's not right either. How should they know the difference in you? And Jesus said, the solution for being good in a world that is evil, here's what he says, is insulation. Now, that's our hope. Here we go. John 17, 15. I pray not that you take them out of this world. In other words, don't take all the goodies, take all the believers, take them out of the world, but that they be in the world 
and you'll protect them from evil. So there it is. I want you in the world. I don't want to take it out because the world is filled with ungodliness and sin. Leave them in there. And here's what he said I'll do. If you do your part, I will insulate you. I will protect you above you, below you, on all sides of you to give you the opportunity. If you're going to be good because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to insulate you from the snare of the enemy. And so Paul writes, don't let us become weary in doing good in proper time. We're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. And that's the me that I want to be. But listen, how many's ever been deep sea fishing? Raise your hand. Okay. Not many. But if you go deep sea fishing, my, my only trip, I've said it before, was one of my deacons in my first church said, hey, pastor, you want to come go fishing, man? I love going out. He had a 21-foot boat with a Johnson motor on it, and the man who created the Johnson motor was a member of my church, Julius Johnson, his family. He was way old back then, way old. So Bob said, okay, let's go. I didn't know what kind of boat he had. Where are we going today, Bob? Well, I don't want to go in the flats today, Pastor, and it's really calm. I'm going to take us out. I'm on my hands and knees in the boat, and I don't know why. I can't figure out why I can't stand up. Can't figure out why that bologna sandwich with mayonnaise and cheese on it doesn't taste good. He said, we're pastor, we're about eight or 10 miles out. He's laughing at me. He said, why are you on the floor? I don't know. He said, I do, you're seasick. I said, is that what it is? And get me back. I don't want you to miss this. I said to God, if you get me back on land, I won't ever go out this way again, ever. That's been many, many years. And to this day, I've held true to my commitment. <laughs> I took the pastor out, man. He was sicker than a dog. I thought, yeah, and if I weren't redeemed like I am, I barely saved. You better be quiet. So deep sea fishing. Now I go out in the flats. I learned what that is. That means if you don't like it, you can get off the boat and swim to shore. And I have been known to bail. But if you go out and let's say, what do you if you go out to fish and catch a red fish? Is that what you can catch out there? A redfish. Or, or you can catch, can you catch a grouper? Catch a grouper? You catch a grouper. Now here's what I'm telling you. Stay with me now. You online, stay, stay right there. So you go out and you catch a redfish and you catch a grouper and you bring them in. And uh, then do you, do you, um, do, do you, 
No, but I mean, you get the, the fins and whatever that off, you scrape all that off. Okay, then you fillet it. Oh, big old beautiful fillet. And then for me, what I would do, <laughs> I'd mix me up a little egg and get me some flour and some meal, and I would drench it in there and throw it in the frying pan. No, Pastor, that's not how you fix a grouper. Grouper, you, you, you boil it. Well, then I would put a lot of butter on it. But then here's something else that I'm trying to get to, you know. I'll, I'll get there in a minute. When you taste that fish, does it taste salty? Does it taste fresh? You say, wow, that fish was born and raised in salt water. And yet I filleted it open, and unless I put salt on it, I don't taste one bit of salt. Why? Because God said, get this, Taylor, God said, I will insulate that fish so that when it's caught, it doesn't reflect the environment that it was raised in. Because when I created it, I insulated it from that salt. Here's what God says to you. You turn it over to Jesus. And you're going to be in a gut-rotten culture. And there'll be nastiness and all kinds of things all around you. But here's what he's saying. If you let me be the Lord of your life, I'll insulate you to all that trash. And in you can be the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And when you need to share my word, it'll come from a pure heart. Because I've insulated you from the lies and the guile of darkness and the powers of the enemy. And I've kept you clean and pure because that's my insulation power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Come on, put your hands together. Amen. I love that illustration. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I thank you for you. I thank you. I thank you. You're so good to us, and we're so rotten sometimes. And God, we talk about, my Lord of mercy, if you kept score, we'd never get any good gifts. It'd be hard to get favor. We'd do some good things, and you'd be proud of us, and then we'd turn around, and the enemy come and sneak up on us, and, and we would just cave in for a minute or two or make a decision. Some have made decisions here that cost them quite a bit. It was a wrong decision. But God, you don't hold us because we made a wrong decision. You, you then take our lives even when we've made wrong decision and you make something beautiful out of it because that's what you do. You're able to take our mistakes and our ashes and turn them around and make something beautiful out of it. And we can tell the devil, devil, you, you may have made me get me to the place that I made a wrong decision, but God redeemed me and he turned what you meant for evil into good. By his grace, he insulated me, devil. I want you to know. You might be in this room right now listening online and you say, you know what? Ha, I, I believe instinctly that I'm good, but I realize that I've been making far too many bad decisions lately. 
And I've got one major one right now that I know in my heart of hearts, according to the Bible, I just shouldn't be engaged. Ought to be otherwise. Help me be patient, God. Forgive me. Strengthen me. Let me live by the Spirit and not by my emotion. Let me walk with you, Jesus. So just in case some of you are here, some of you are online, I'm going to ask you, all of us together, everyone, to let's repeat this prayer together. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I have made a mess. I have made a mess. I've made bad decisions. I've made bad decisions. And I need your help. Father God, Father God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your mercy. Today, Today I, am declaring I am declaring that you will rule in my life. That you will rule in my life. I realize, I realize what, I've done wrong. what I've done wrong. I haven't disciplined myself, haven't disciplined to, myself be in your word. to be in your I've word. I've been sporadic about church. I've not kept my friends that are close to me. Who are, believers. who are believers. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you to forgive me. I, need you to forgive I am confessing. I am Let my light, Let my light be, bright be bright in Jesus' name. In Jesus Let, name. Me be the salt Let me be the salt of the earth. Of the earth. I claim that, I claim that. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Put our hands together. Let's thank him for that. He is able. He is able. Listen carefully. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Do you know how easy it is to take all the stuff you've been putting up with and trashing it? It's just that easy. Allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. Don't let the devil browbeat you and say, well, pastor, you, I've been going through stuff and I feel responsible. Because I'm, I'm just, I made mistakes. Everybody does. But you know what makes you wise? Is you realize that and you get up and you come to him and you move on by the grace of God. And if you have some decisions that you're trying to make and you've had a mess that you know that you're responsible for or you've got some connections that you need to let go, that's what Delta Ryan told those young students when she spoke yesterday. It was beautiful. She said, in your life, there may be some relationships and some people and some things you're going to have to let go. Let go because you can't be the woman of righteousness and maintain that. And boy, I thought that was so very, very powerful. It's unbelievable. So here's what we're going to do. They're going to continue to worship. If in your body you don't feel well and you say, well, I'm not sick, but I'm not. Listen, listen. If you don't feel well, you might not call that sickness, but you can leave here completely healed and feel good by the grace of God. Amen. So we're going to worship. I want you to know those of you need to come forward. You come forward, spend a few minutes here. Those of you who say, hey, heard it, love it, great message, pastor, wonderful in the Lord, and you need to slip out, you go right ahead. I'm going to be out in the lobby greeting visitors or anyone else that'd love to meet. I'll be down there. God bless you. I love you, everybody. Let's uh, let God